Hi everyone, I'm April. And I'm Christine. Before we get started, we wanted to warn you that the following content contains adult language, activities, and violence, and may not be suitable for young listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Southern Discomfort. This is one of the most unique podcasts on the internet. Southern tales of the weird, wild, mysterious, unusual, voodoo, Voodoo. cryptids, hauntings. Are you intrigued yet? This is Southern Discomfort. Southern Discomfort. And now, your hosts, April and Christine. Hi, we're back. Hello, everyone. Yes, and tonight's discussion, it's just like all the other ones, very discomforting. It's um, extremely emotional and difficult. Um, This one is like very prolific all over the internet. Um, It's it's worldwide and it's out there. And if you want to sit this one out, I completely understand, but we could not skip this one for sure. And tonight... We are in Mississippi. I mean, we're not in Mississippi, but tonight's discussion is in Mississippi. And, um, but before, before we get going, I just want to remind everybody of our socials. We're on Twitter at SoDiscoPC and our email address is Southern Discomfort at podcast, um, Southern Discomfort Podcast at gmail.com. And on Instagram, we're at Southern Discomfort PC. And on Podbean, we're Southern Discomfort at Podbean.com. If you like what you're hearing, um, don't be shy to give us a five-star review wherever you rate your podcasts. Okay, tonight we're in Mississippi. And our, our topic of our discussion takes place in Mississippi. So for my drink du jour, I have a Mississippi sweet tea. And it's a take on a Long Island tea, but it has, um, it has the sweetness. So it's, it has vodka and rum, tequila, gin, sweet and sour, and the amaretto for the sweetness. Yeah, it looks like a, it does look like a Long Island tea. Yeah, I splashed it a little bit with Coke, but I used lemon vodka. I actually gave it a little something, something. It's really good. And I also I was, to try that. Oh, it's good. I was also thinking about you could. Twist it up and make an Arnold Palmer. Maybe use some um, Firefly vodka, and then the that's good stuff. And the lemon vodka. That might be good. And then maybe the amaretto if you want it sweet. But oh, I have to try that. That sounds good. So tonight we're talking about the suspicious death of Jessica Johnson. Originally, it's ruled a suicide, but as we get into the details, well. You'll see why it's suspicious, and let's see what you think. So Jessica Renee Johnson was born to Linda and David Johnson in 1979 in Horn Lake, Mississippi. And so this is the top of the state. And like we've said before, we're from Mississippi. We grew up in southwest Mississippi. So I didn't even know this place existed, I hate to admit. And these, so where Horn Lake is and also another um town that I'm familiar with, South Haven. They're basically even like suburbs of Memphis almost. And and which of course is in Tennessee, but they're um very close in proximity to Memphis. Right. I see it's um thirteen miles from Memphis. I'm not sure about South Lake. No. That's not um like I said, I'm not sure uh I'm not familiar with the very it is the very northern tip it is the very top and it's a the reason why it's called horn lake is because it's uh, shaped like an oxbow lake because at one point it was where the it was part of the mississippi river and so when it changed courses it just left this lake like where we are or at least i am where false river is mm-hmm. is also an oxbow lake where it looks like a bend in the river and that okay, actually was yeah. part of the Mississippi River as well. So that's um, but they have a population of about twenty six thousand, and it's in Desoto County. And so, um, 
Elvis had a had a ranch up there, which I did not know. Also, don't know a whole well, lot about his private life. I guess I didn't know that either. But so it sounds like it's comparable in population wise, anyway, to the town that we grew up in. Yes, that's what I I gathered as well. Jessica has been described by her friends and family as energetic, outgoing, just lovingly in the life of the party. She just lit up a room wherever she went. So uh, if you look up pictures of her online, she's absolutely beautiful. She's stunning. Just gorgeous. All made up. Just she the, has a striking like look to her. Absolutely. So that and that's how they described her as like just not hair out of place, just her makeup. She was always, you know, left the house with her makeup done and just on point and a typical Southern bill is what I picture. So she was a mom of two and her son's name was McLean and her daughter's name was Eden. And I love these names. Absolutely do. Those are really good names. Right. I love uh, the non-traditional names. I feel like it almost makes me feel bad that I went with the traditional ones, but you know, I don't, yeah, but I like I like that I like traditional too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't regret it, but it just it when I hear those the non traditional names that sound really cool, I'm like, oh, maybe I should have put a little bit of thought into it. <laughs> but I'm happy with with how it turned out to be. But anyway, I just love those names. But um, she did have her problems. She w- went through that you know before she died, she was making bad choices and going after those bad boys. Which, you know, like we do, some of us do, but um, I can relate so hard to this. This was um, her, or so her lifestyle and the bad boys, the drug use, she was using Xanax and meth. But um, there's so many things that check the boxes with this for me. Like I just felt on so many levels because I've been there. I've been there. I've, I'm not proud of it. It's been many years ago, but I chased the bad boys and they were doing the bad things and also did some of the bad things. Right. So, but what reminded, you know, it reminded me of you because, you know, whenever you start looking into her life and hear her sister and mom talk about, you know, gravitating towards that she didn't always, you know, right. this was something I think that had just started to happen, you know, closer to unfortunately the time of her death, but she didn't typically go for those guys. And I think that that's how we all felt, you know, when, right. when that happened with you it was like, you know, whoa, where did I, I heard her sister talking about that? And I thought, okay, I can totally relate to that. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about that because when I, because I didn't hear about this case initially when it happened, even though it was only just a few years ago, what, three years ago. And I don't even remember as close in proximity as it is. I don't even remember hearing about it. But then when I did hear about it, I was like, whoa, it just touched me on so many different levels. And I, and I thought, oh my God, that could be me. Like I saw myself in her just Mm -hmm. so much. And then I didn't even think and listening to her mom on interviews and her sister, I didn't even think mm-hmm. that from your perspective, thinking yeah. that, that you could relate on the, as her sister. Absolutely did. could relate to that. Yeah. So she sounds like an empath and they're vulnerable to narcissists and controlling people who want to control and, and uh, physically and verbally abusive sometimes. And that's exactly what I am. I'm an empath. And I found myself in those situations Um dating controlling guys and and a lot of them they did they did do drugs and they had that reckless lifestyle and i was like caught up in it as well of well course, like i said not anymore and, oh sorry so that was another thing i can't remember if it was her sister or her friend that said um that they felt that she was with him because she wanted to try to fix him yeah even though she was a uh, participating in it too sure yeah, she I re- thought she could fix them. Right, and I relate to that too because it's it to me it wasn't so much that I thought that I could, in the moment at least, fix them, and, and maybe not cognitively thought that, but there is something with the empath narcissist um, relationship that they just like it's like you hook up to like it's magnetic, like these I don't know it's like some it's just some kind of attraction like they see you coming basically 
Although, like you said, a willing participant, and that's exactly, you know, I'm not going to blame anybody for anything that I did, except for me. But that's also why I want to do this episode. I just, like I said, I felt her on so many levels, and not just because she's from Mississippi, and we are too, but just the lifestyle and the choices. And I'm just like, that's, wow, that was me. Like, that's exactly what I would, you know, be going along and everything's fine. And sometimes you can kind of go off the, off the path, as it were. So, um, she, and then she was a single mom of two and, and for the mm-hmm. longest time I was as well. And, and especially when those, um, you know, when I strayed off the path, but, uh, I watched the interviews with, with Linda, her mom. And I just think about like, just her the pain, the mother's pain that comes through. And I did think like, would that be what my mom would, cause that could have happened to me. You know, mm-hmm. I could have definitely ended up dead. And then would my mom be talking about these things? And is that what she would be saying? But because um, I have been in sketchy places with sketchy people. And like I said, that certainly could have happened to me. But uh, um, I just saw myself in her. And for her parents and the loved ones, it's just sad. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> just, excuse me. And even though her story is prolific and it's all out there, it's all over the internet, we should still discuss this and we should keep it going and put it out in the universe, out in the the atmosphere and not stop talking about this. Yeah, it certainly does not need to be forgotten or, you know, swept under the rug for, for lack of a better euphemism. It just needs... As long as there's, you know, questions around it, it needs to continue to be talked about, in uh, my opinion. Uh, me too, as well. Absolutely. Jessica was 37 on June 2nd, 2017, when she was found tied to a 38-inch mailbox. It was around 11 a.m. in a USPS carrier on their route once who found her. So the may- mail carrier called another mail carrier. And he showed up and he started taking pictures, which my knee jerk reaction, I was like, this is kind of strange. I guess maybe because I I would think if that were me, the first thing that I would do is call the police. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, that's not what everybody would do. And maybe it was just such an alarming thing that she just decided to call her coworker. He came out and he took pictures. Luckily, even though I think that's kind of strange too, but luckily they did because this is what the family has and they had to go on. And right, because that's the picture. Like if you if you Google Jessica Johnson, that's the picture that comes up. Her face is pixelated. Right. Um, that's why I texted you. I never and was like could find right to see if her because we'll get into it, but see if her face is yeah, that what yeah. you're looking for. It was pressed so hard up against the right. I was curious yeah. about that as well. Which we'll we'll get into that too. But the, but family- the picture that he that he took that's actually on the internet has, I mean, I know you're going to tell everybody about this, but it, it does have a lot of other, like, telling, right. you know, it things does. in it. But so, like you said, thank goodness they took the picture. I did think it was creepy that they did, but at the same yeah. time, can now be grateful that they did. Right. I didn't know if that was just me. I was like, that's kind of a strange events but you know stranger things will happen and like we said luckily they did so the family said it looked like she was on display and linda said she didn't have on any makeup which was not like her like i said she didn't leave the house made uh, without being made up like to dress to the nines as it were typically as we do here in the south i'm just kidding not all of us but not me i wish <laughs> But, um, so she was tied to the mailbox with her, this is what we were saying, with her cheekbones directly up against the post of the mailbox, like pressed up against it. But her legs were underneath her, almost like she was kind of kneeling in a sitting position. Is this what you saw, Christine? Yeah, like, you know, when you you sit with your legs folded under you and you kind of sit back with your butt on your feet that's what it looked like to me yes i mean um it looked like that to me as well so our purse was um it was sitting um in between our legs perfectly they said they said it was just like it was just sitting there and when her which was in her lap and then it was um unzipped and opened 
And so she was tied with what was later identified as her shoestrings, which were tied together and then around her head and then around the mailbox, if I'm making a good description of that. But so the shoestrings were tied around her head with her hair inside it. Okay, I'll try to describe this because some people are kind of like, yeah, whatever. But I think this is actually pretty significant. And then I know you've seen the pictures. Um, if you saw this as well. Okay, so if you were tying, this is what you were going to do. You're like, okay, it's time for me to go. I'm going to dip out of this world. And what I'm going to do is take my shoestrings, tie them together, and I'm going to tie myself to the mailbox. Okay, are you going to tie it with, like she had what, um, longer than shoulder length hair. Mm-hmm. So it definitely covered her neck. It was longer than her neck. So are you going to take that, shoestring those because you tied them together there were two okay go around your head and your neck and i'm sorry i hit the microphone because i'm actually doing this i'm demonstrating this with my hands because that's what i do these are my illustrators i talk with my hands so (laughs) go around your head your neck and then not okay so as to grab that hair in other words not to go up underneath your hair like you would a headband, say, and, and you know, I don't I think girls. Well, no girl, especially a girl that's is into hair and makeup as she is, no girl is not going to instinctively want to pull her hair through that that's, or put it underneath. That was my question. Now I'm hitting my microphone because <laughs> you're illustrating, you're demonstrating this too, right? So sorry about that, guys. But that's exactly what I was trying to describe. So that's just instinctively. I'm going up under my hair. I have long, you know, shoulder length, just a little past my shoulders hair. I'm, I'm going to, whatever I do, whether it's a ponytail, a headband, scarf, anything's going up under my hair. And maybe that's a personal preference, but I don't see tying it when I'm just going to grab my hair. It's just going to go around my hair. And what I'm getting at is, does that sound like that's something that she would do or I would do? Christine, you would do, or does it sound like someone who tied her to a mailbox after she was already dead and just kind of didn't think about that and just kind of tied her head to the mailbox? Mm-hmm. Is that, does, am I making it's sense It's super weird. Right. Okay. I thought that was um, significant, and some other people, which we'll get into, they also thought that was significant as well. But um, the other thing, too, was you would want it up against your skin. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're doing. You're going to. You're just, you're going to hang yourself. So let's talk about the mailbox. Are you going to hang yourself from a, a mailbox? I, I don't, I've thought about this. Like I'm trying to put myself in her mind. I mean, of course I can't get in her state of mind. Um, they did find Xanax and meth and um, that was in her body at the time. But I, are, I'm, I'm just thinking that a mailbox is 38 inches off the ground. It is below eye level. For one thing, I'm thinking I would want height if I'm going to hang myself. Um, I'm just thinking just I'm going to logistically. Look, right. It makes no sense. Right, and 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 then yeah, there are other things we'll get into as well. But but I'm just thinking, or am I thinking in that in that point? If I'm putting herself in in putting myself in her place, am I even thinking about height? I, I don't know, but. I just, I guess in my mind now, clear headed, I'm not, I'm thinking I want height. I want to get up. I want to get up so you can hang, not being like they said, tied to a mailbox because then you're on your knees and your, and your feet. Are you getting enough height? But there are people who tie themselves and hung themselves from a doorknob. I completely forgot about. Um, I did because I looked at some forums and, and people were saying, you know, you don't, you only need 12 inches really and enough um pressure i i can kind of see that though because the you'd have the movement of the door to propel you forward oh you right know? right right of course whereas the mailbox is stationary that just is the first thing that comes to my mind when i think about you know yes it's a it's a short distance but you do have that movement Right. We have, I didn't think about that either. But when I have heard about people hanging from a doorknob, I've also been very skeptical about that as well. Because 
I was thinking, it sounds like somebody did this. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, and this is not, this is before I, I heard about Jessica Johnson. I mean, you know, it just doesn't right. seem like that's the ideal way. Maybe because traditionally people hang themselves from a place higher than their actual standing height. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just, but that's just, all these things are just um, things that you, it's just frustrating because you wish these were things that were looked into further. Right. Right. Um, so would it be, would it be easy to tie your, your head around a mailbox? I mean, and with shoestrings, with shoelaces. So the, I don't know. I just have that in the back of my mind. I'm like, or did, or is it more likely that somebody else did this? Yeah. Okay. So anyway, that's just some things like to keep in in the um the back of your head but our resident authority who does have a concentration in forensics um would not let me try this because i actually didn't want to try this not to of course hang myself but i was so curious every time i saw a row by a mailbox i just wanted to just get some shoelaces and just see if i could how would it be Mm -hmm. easy like could i tie myself around this like would it work how you know and and then also i didn't i haven't seen if anybody even tried it, I don't know. Anyone? I mean, of I course they want to hang themselves, but could you just kind of with supervision try it? See how far well, you I did would get. see a girl on YouTube that actually covered this story, and she actually interviewed Jessica's mother. But I, um, and I'll I can put her um, her episode on YouTube in the show notes, um, but. She didn't actually like physically do the the yeah. demonstration, but she she did explain and demonstrate, you know, what Jessica would have had to do in order to. Yeah. And, the, and it's not just her. I mean, like there's I know you're going to get to um, the forensics expert that was on this case, but um. It just, you know, again, it just seems awfully, awfully just a very uh, clunky way to try to do that. Right. And, and I can't find a good word, but it just doesn't seem right. like a very good, effective method. Exactly. So, like I said, a resident authority, he, he wouldn't let me. But I asked him, I said, okay, I, I said, can, um, what do you think about this? Like, how, how, you know, kind of gave him the the rundown, the highlighted version. And he just said, that didn't seem like that just doesn't sound like like that's exactly what happened. And um, he, he and he did say that um, it, it would certainly warrant further investigation at the <laughs> least. Right. I mean, just look into this a little bit more. But, you know, he's he's like I said, he, he's been trained in forensics, although um, he specializes in clearing embassies, but you know that's why I didn't <laughs> want to get his background on that. His his, his specialty is clearing embassies, right? But and I I would just like to say that I can see why he wouldn't want you to to try to do that. <laughs> I can understand he was probably like no right. no yeah no. He, he but, well he wasn't having it that's for sure. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm like come but, on just supervise. Um, yeah he wouldn't. That's why I wanted to know if there was a photo of her face because I still don't know, and apologies if I'm jumping ahead, but I still don't know if the freaking shoelace was even around her neck. Wasn't it around her mouth? Oh, I, that I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I did see where there were no indications of ligature marks around her neck. So exactly. That, and that was one of my questions. Like, is it going to go all the way around? And, um, well, okay, let's get into this. So the family hired a private forensic scientist named Maurice Godwin. And when I, I saw this on an interview, when I heard his voice, I was like, oh, Yes. I, I, I freaking love him. Don't you love him? I love his voice. I could listen to him talk all day. So Me too. for those of you who don't know, he was featured on the podcast Up and Vanish from Payne Lindsay featuring the Tara Grinstead story. And he's just amazing. And they're doing amazing things. And if you haven't listened or not familiar, um, go ahead and crawl under the rock that you have been hiding under. 
and check them out. You've got to listen to them. They, they have, because of the work that they have done, not only was it just, um, super gripping and just, it just had you wanting more listening to it, but they've, their work that they've done, they've actually led to arrests in that 10 plus year old mm-hmm. case. A cold case. So this this is amazing. So for everybody who thinks, oh, true crime, like what are they, you know, it's, you know, <laughs> well, I don't know what voice that was, but you know, that's oh, that's a waste. They say not. it just like that. I'm sure. Ah, oh, true crime. But <laughs> well, I actually um cut my true crime teeth on Up and Vanish. Yeah, that oh, was yeah. a first binge listen ever for me, and it was up. Uh, freaking amazing amazing exactly can't recommend it enough go listen to that one after you listen to this one and after you five star review and rate us wherever you rate your podcast thank there you, you go. also thank you for listening we do we love our listeners we picked up some new ones um uh italy and the czech republic oh yes cool. we we see you so thank you thank you very much ireland yeah of course all of our all of our domestic U.S. listeners as well. So, um, yeah, so go, definitely go check out Maurice Godwin. But he had a lot of great, great um, stuff to say. He Some of the things that he pointed out was that her, like you said, her face was pressed up against the mailbox with such force that he said it would have been excruciating to endure basically while she was waiting to die. So are you going to hang yourself in this way? Um but yeah, yeah, I mean, think about that. But um, it also said that would it be enough force to cut off the airways? And and that's a good, you know, that was good question for you when you were looking that up. Like, did it go around her mouth or did it go around her neck? You know, that might be something that we would know. You they know? said it. They said that it was around her mouth and pulled her lip up and made her have this like crazy looking snarl. Whoa. See, I'm so glad we do this together because I did not see that. And that's, uh, where would you think you could, yeah, you wouldn't cut off your airway that way. Mm -mm. That's wild. Okay. I did not see that. Um, But also her mom said that she had access to pills. She had access to drugs. Like her drug of choice, her mother admits is Xanax. She would have just taken those and went to sleep. Yeah. And right, and, and anyway, so I just get so emotional with this one. I know it's rough. Yeah. It's rough. So, uh, like I said earlier, she was um she was found with Xanax and meth in her body, and also, could you do this? First of all, would you come up with that thought? Maybe so, but um, could are you physically able to do the um tie yourself? Of course, you're shoestrings you can do that but like then tie them around the mailbox um under the influence of those drugs i, I get and and then again it would um, i guess it would um depend on the effect you're feeling and then how much of of each one so there's that i don't know that's just a question that i that i like all these questions and, running through my head in regards to that, like the only thing that I came across about the amount that was in her system, the only thing that I came across was that it was a not an not enough to OD on. Okay, of Which either is, one makes sense because that's why they didn't rule it an overdose. Yeah, it was um because that is a good point. Um, the Jeff Pounders, the medical examiner. He did um, rule her death asphyxiation um, and as for, from suicide. So, yeah, okay. right, right. And the case closed, but yeah, more on that later. So the uh, Maurice Godwin he said that there was plenty of low lying limbs in the immediate area that she would most likely have chosen that, and that's exactly what I was referring to earlier. Like it's a mailbox is below your eye level, your line of sight. Your limbs are going to be above your last sight. If you're thinking hanging, I'm thinking height, I'm looking up. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, again, that's just me, but just wanted to also point that out because these are things that sometimes the optics are there and you're like, oh, on the surface, maybe, okay, she's tied to a mailbox. But until you like deep dive and look into these things, like some of these things might sound insignificant, but they are important details that at least deserve some thought. 
to and questions ask, I think. Well, and they said, um, I say they, you know, like family and friends. It was her friends that said, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, if you're suspected of having any sort of history of involvement with drugs or, you know, any sort of deviant lifestyle, you know, they're going to automatically look at people and say, oh, well, they just, you know, they committed suicide or sorry, died by suicide or they um, overdosed or they, it's just kind of like discounting their death right. because of their association or involvement. And that's just tragic in so many ways. Oh, that's exactly right, though. They just want to, like, tie it up and um, and put a bow on it and be done with it. But um, so uh, and we mis- mentioned her purse that was in her lap. So her hand was resting on it. And so one thing that Godwin said was if someone was moving around, tying a noose um, pr- around their neck or around their head, lips, whatever it ended up being, like, would would it move the purse? Wouldn't it knock it over? You know, if you, because she, I guess she set it down. I don't, that was just a one question that he proposed. So that's pretty interesting as well. Um, mm-hmm. And then one of the It was pictures, perfectly placed, like right. how. Right, and that was one of the things that the family and Maurice Godwin said that why well, she looked like she was on display as as yeah. well, like staged. So in, in the picture, um, like I said, it was unzipped and it was unopened. I mean, it was opened, and that there was no indication that um, oh, that the laces around her neck were causing pressure to the ligament ligature mark. Oh, there are no ligature marks. So that's probably like why you said it was up around her mouth. And it wasn't her around lip. her neck. And then he said there's not enough pressure to cut off her airway, airways. So also, the mailbox, when they went back and looked at it, not the authorities, of course, but family and um, some reporters, they said it wasn't even sturdy. Like, you could push <laughs> it around in, in the dirt. It wasn't even, it wasn't able to sufficiently support someone's, wait to be to for her to hang herself um but there was an all partial autopsy done and she was cremated and so that's what the parents decided to do i've seen because of financial reasons and then um they've also been criticized online for this but they point out the family does and and i can see this is that at the time they had complete faith in the local authorities they thought they had everything they needed And that it was just going to fall out the way that it should. And you're not thinking, oh, well, well, I mean, let me not cremate her because we need to have, you you know what I mean? Like, you're not thinking that it's not going to go right. So why not move forward? Who could imagine that it would be overlooked, so grossly overlooked and not investigated? That's right. But it turns out the local authorities... They made terrible mistakes. Like her clothes, they were burned and destroyed. But then again, I guess that's because they, you know, at the time, they said, oh, okay, it's a suicide. But um, also the FBI sent her clothes in a biohazard bag. And Godwin doesn't know why they did this because they didn't have blood on them. And mm-hmm. so, like, and then her shoes, her laces were missing. Um, of course, out of her shoes when they found it. But I'm talking about when... And um, they reach the uh, local law enforcement. So they're lost now. They're missing. They don't even know where these laces are. because. And um, didn't they send the shoes back to her family? The shoes. But the laces. Uh, Maurice, no laces. Right. Maurice Godwin wanted to have them tested for touch DNA. But they're missing. Hmm. Yeah. So good luck. How, you know. That's convenient. Right. Um, but then he said something very profound and this resonated with me pretty hard. If this was a college girl, you wouldn't hear the end of it. Mm-hmm. And this is so true. That's absolutely true. I'm absolutely convinced that's why they threw so many resources at Derek Todd Lee because mm-hmm. several of his victims were college students and they certainly found him. But 
Um, they took, like you just said, they took one look at her lifestyle. And I believe that the Lord, local authority said, well, she hung herself. Like, there's nothing more to see here, guys. Wrap this up, put a bow on it, carry on. We're done. Yeah. And they didn't want to look into anything else further. And also, this was pretty interesting. So Jeff Pounders, the local Emmy, that ruled her death of um, asphyxiation and um, by suicide. He died months after, like in the same year, but he died months later. So this happened in June. Oh, I didn't even know that. I believe he died in December 2017. And mm-hmm. he, had, he had been um, the medical examiner for decades. So um, I'm sure he was older. And, and that's what happened. I don't mean to say anything suspicious ha- there, but I just feel like, okay, so that was his ruling. He's gone. And it just feels like no one else wants to pick it up. And look into it and move, you know, move the case along. Frustrating. Very. Um, but one of her arms, very, this is strange. They had pitted indentions on them. Only one. Um, but they wanted to say that this was big due to bug bites because it was June in Mississippi. And being from Mississippi <laughs> and spent many Junes in Mississippi and very familiar with bug bites, especially mosquitoes. A bug bite's typically going to make a bump. It's going to be a bump, like, outwardly from your skin. These things where you maybe you've seen them, they were like indentions. I like did. Pitted. They're very strange. And it was only on one arm. You're If you're going to be eaten alive by bugs, which happens, they're going to bite you all over. They're not going to just bite you on one arm. Yeah, they don't. They don't distinguish like body parts. They're <laughs> it's an all out like attack. But so that's what I was really looking forward to hear your take on that because this is the arm that in the picture is actually behind her, right? Yes, because one arm is in front, like draped in front. Yeah, and then there's one that's that's behind her, and I think it's that one. And at first, I was like, well. Were, was it bugs that did this to her? And then I saw, like you said, how it was pitted. And I was like, okay, I've never had pits from bug bites. And I think I've probably been bitten by every species of bug in Mississippi. And right. I just have never seen. It almost looked like splatter. Oh, that's a good observation. I was trying to like, think. What I if could, it was something like a, a hot liquid or something that splattered on her? I don't know. Who, yeah. What do I know? Right. And I don't know either. But I and I tried to think of what that could be. But I, I was like, oh, who knows? But it's certainly, I would not Bizarre. say it was a bug bite. Although I'm not an entomologist, like we say. <laughs> but I feel like every episode, we're like, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not an entomologist. <laughs> I'm not a forensic but scientist. I am- well experienced in receiving bug bites yes same here exactly yes and that's a good place to take a break and when we come back we'll talk further about what they found on her arm okay hold up stop what is that shit yes that's better Perfectly dysfunctional, one messed up crazy family having conversations about who knows what. Her wrist and her arm area had a bruise on it, and it looked like it was a shoe print, like she had been stepped on. And this is the arm, I'm not mistaken, this is the arm that had the little pitted marks on them. Um, so I think so, same arm. Okay. And her shoes, like I said, were found without laces, but they had faint red spots that Maurice Godwin um, wanted to have tested for blood because it looked like it could have been blood spatter. But this was never tested, you know, of course, because they said this is an open and shut, clear case of a suicide. Yeah, because people go and hang themselves on mailboxes on the daily. But uh, she also had a buckle on her purse strap that was broken off. And then this appeared to be like there was a sign of a struggle, which, again, also I looked forgot like about that, that uh, right. And indication of a struggle, possibly, which at the very least, you would want to look into this further, do some more investigation into this. Um, the mail carrier photos, they show that the crime scene was 
severely compromised. People were parked on the area. They were had been they were walking on it, so they trampled the area. I called it a crime scene in my notes, but I guess to the local authorities who um, sign it off as a suicide, then then there's no really crime scene, I guess. But that uh, so that was a Friday morning on June second when she was found. So the Wednesday before, that's when she went to the house and where she was found. And this is the the house of her on and on again, off again boyfriend. His name was Garland Hart, and he was known to be physically and emotional abusive to her, and also a known um, drug abuser. So they went to, she went along with him to his best friend's house where he lives sometimes. Um, I couldn't find his name. I know they had protected it in a couple of interviews, but. Um, Wasn't it Jesse? Okay. Well, that maybe. I honestly wanted to focus more on Jessica than these dope heads. Oh, but, absolutely. Yeah. So, but there's that. But I guess to, and a name would be nice to keep it. Um, Keep it flowing and keep keep it um not as confusing, I guess. But um, so it this sounded like a flop house, it's because there were so many people there that night, and I say so many, it sounded like there were five to seven ish, um, because it was Jessica and her on again off again boyfriend Garland Hart, um, the house owner Jesse, I guess maybe, and then he had roommates. Which I wasn't sure if um, it sounded like he had at least two, and I don't even know if they was referring to Garland as a roommate. So let's do a count real quick. Um, Take a count. Let's see. What was that? One, two, three, four, possibly five, and then um, a little bit later, we'll talk about this girl who said she was with him the next day. Don't know if she was there that night. That could have been six, and then. Um, there were accounts of people coming and going. Because, like I said, this was a flop house. Um, it totally sounds right. like that. Right. So, okay. So then that was Wednesday. Okay. So into Thursday evening, they, Jessica and her, I guess I'll call her boyfriend at the time, got into an argument, a really bad one. So bad so that she locked herself in the bathroom because she was scared and she called her friend to come and pick her up, come get her. So the friend gets there and Garland says that, um, yeah, they were having a fight and that he said that um, to go ahead and take her with you because I can't deal with her. I can't handle her right now. So, but Jessica does not, unfortunately does not end up leaving with her friends. Her friend leaves and Jessica stays, but I can just picture this. Okay. Yeah. Flop house with people probably coming in and out, you know, they're there doing drugs. Like are you coming down? Are you going up? Are you... You know, there's mm-hmm. this big fight. You throw drugs in the mix. It just gets really bad. And, um, like, I've been there. I know. I could just, I, oh, my God. It just scares me to for her to think, even think about that. It even scares me to think back when I was in those situations. Um, because yeah. that's just really is no way to live. But um, basically bad scene all the way around. And so Jessica supposedly sent a text to um, this friend that she said that she didn't want to feel the pain anymore. Okay, so then the boyfriend, which is Garland Hart's best friend, this is the the owner of the house where she was found in the mailbox, he said that one of his roommates saw her take the laces out of her shoes and threatened to kill herself with, with them. And then they said, I don't want to hear about that. Get out of here with that. And then shut the door on her face, which left her outside. Okay, so that was one account, right? Where's boyfriend in this? Now, where is he? Right. That's kind of weird to me. Um, I don't know. Maybe there's that just piece of missing information. Um, maybe he was right there, but that was just, that's odd. And then you're going to, okay, shut the door in your face. Okay. I mean, you're on drugs, whatever. Who knows? Free for all, I guess. This was around 6 p.m. on Thursday night. And they claim that she left the house. So she's walking with no laces in her shoes. She's leaving the house. Um, this was after she had called her friend to come get her. So why wouldn't she call her friend again? I right. mean, you know, and I guess they wouldn't want you, the housemates would want you to think that this is a suicide. So why would she call her friend if she's going to go kill herself? 
But that's just this very just very strange to me. Also, uh, no one. So she was found. Okay, that was six p.m. She was found at eleven p.m. I mean eleven a.m. the next day by the mail carrier. Okay, so you want us to believe that you have this flop house with several people in it. Let's just say, don't even know a number, but several people. And then you have accounts of people coming in and out. I'm sure to do drugs, buy drugs, get drugs, leave drugs, whatever. Sell them, buy them. And then no one saw her. No one saw her. No one saw her in the mailbox. It's dark. Okay, that's fine. But then but then the other thing, until 11, from 6 p.m. until 11 a.m. the next day. But here's the thing. No one called her on her phone boyfriend Mm -hmm. where are you what are you doing like you just got into a fight um friend roommate whatever you just said she you said she wanted to hang herself with the laces you didn't get check on her like you just shut the door in her face like and nobody knows nobody saw her with all this ruckus and chaos and fighting and whatever nobody even thought to go look for her crickets that's that's wild to me. That's indicative of no, we hadn't seen her since six p.m. and we don't even know. Like that feels like removing yourself from that block of time. Yeah, right. I mean, am I crazy here? That's just kind of what I feel like there. No, it absolutely does, and it's. Um, I know that this is something that you're gonna get into too, but that you know, the whole cell phone situation of her cell phone. Yes. Yes. Um. And then we can get into that right now. So this, okay, so Jessica's son received a text message from Jessica's phone around 3 a.m. That was Friday morning. And that said she was going to spend time with G. G is Garland. That's who she referred to him as. So, okay, if you're going to kill yourself, if she was going to kill herself, why would she send that text to her son? At 3.30 in the morning or whatever. Yeah, yeah. 3 a.m., which is, um, by the way, what Maurice Godwin said was, judging by her rigor, was probably the the time of death. So was that possibly a text that um, maybe someone sent from her phone to throw everybody off and then threw it back down in her purse? Um, I don't know. Maybe. Um, So also her phone was, the the code was changed by the passcode. By Garland. Mm-hmm. He never gave it to anybody. He never gave it to the authorities. He never gave it to the family. They get the phone back and they can't even get into the phone. And the other thing that's very frustrating is, okay, some of these things, you, I feel like if local law enforcement had done this, then we could put this to bed. This would not be, I mean, they've already put it to bed in their minds anyway and on paper, of course. But then wouldn't leave the family and everybody else like, what really happened here? Because they... There is a machine, I don't know what it's called, but our resident authority on this told me that there's a, a machine that exists and some law enforcement have them, maybe not all, but this machine, if you put your phone and connect it to it, it will search through all of the possible mm-hmm. sequences um, that a passcode could be until it finds it. Okay, so they didn't mm-hmm. do this, of course, because she, you know, they ruled it a suicide, but that could be very helpful. That could possibly like they say, bust this case wide open, although the authorities don't think there's anything to bust open. But like I said, you could put this to bed. You could say, okay, one way or the other, at least just say for the family, let them know um, what what was on the phone. What were the conversations? It's highly, highly, in my opinion, highly probable that that phone holds yes. all of the information needed for the family. Yes. It, yeah. A would ha, a would be investigation. There wasn't one, but if there had been, this device probably holds all the keys. Right. Absolutely. And not only that, though, but the local authorities could ask for the transcripts as well. Um, I know family members. I'm sure you'd have a hard time trying to get that. I just on. think it's <laughs> horseshit that. <laughs> they can't find a way to get into the phone because are you telling me that if this was somebody like a pillar of the community and this happened to them, that they wouldn't find a way to access the freaking phone? Like give me a break. Right. Yeah. They just wanted to, um, just to leave, leave that alone. Um, 
So to me, this sounds like, like I, like I said, a fight ensues. Um, and I'm, this is all my opinion. I'm going to interject it here, you know, and I know that those opinion are not evidence of what happened, but it just feels like to me and someone in a very, very similar lifestyle, I feel like the fight ensued that night. It was bad. It was a bad fight. You know, she was scared. She called her friend. Um, that she was choked, that she was choked, possibly stepped on, um, choking her out. And then I uh, feel like there's no way that people in that, that house don't know what happened. And and I feel like it's possible that they were involved in it, that, um, that they all helped in some way, or at least know. Uh, it feels like that because she was choked, uh, or strangled, I guess. Um, then these dope heads found a way. Like, oh, they thought they were clever, going to take the laces out of her shoes, tie her to a mailbox, and leave her there and just call it a night. Say, yeah, she, oh, wait, what? Let someone else find her, which a lot of cases that happens. People want to distance themselves and let someone else find her because if they find her, then they're going to be asked questions and they're going to be looked into further. But they can just say, oh, well, look at the text she sent. Um, She was... Uh, had drugs in her system and wasn't it very convenient that she did and the lifestyle that she had was very convenient for the local authorities to just say you know what nothing else to see here she killed herself don't look any further um because this one can be open and shut for us we or whatever you know we don't have to do any more work or um or whatever and then also the whole shoestrings tie uh being hung by your shoestrings that has sort of a jailhouse feel to me. And I don't know why, because mm-hmm. they won't, they don't let you have shoestrings, I guess, because they, but that's what it doesn't feels it like. feel like that. Okay. Yeah. Same, same here. That's what I'm feeling. And, um, if I'm not mistaken, the on again, off again, boyfriend had been in and out of jail. It's just kind of has that yeah. whole like feel of that, that I just can't, Oh, it's so frustrating. I'm just getting frustrated every year. So anyway, um, also there was an, an interview that um, this reporter did of a current girlfriend at the time of Garland Hearts. And she said, she, she it was strange because she said that he would not do anything to that girl. He loved her. To me, that sounds strange for a current girlfriend to even say about an ex-girlfriend. I mean, the, mm-hmm. it felt like she's covering up or covering for him. Kind of like a, a sell it to you. Like you've got to believe me, you know, like a thou dost protest too much kind of thing yeah like selling him to the media right or selling the the media on him right and just just saying because first of all would you really know that and then are you gonna even admit that you're the girlfriend are you gonna or as the girlfriend are you gonna admit that he loved the (laughs) ex-girlfriend no Mm -hmm. that's so strange it really is and then if it is a suicide and that's all it is, and it's benign like that in a sense that he's not in the wrong here. It's not going to be something where you feel like you need to just sell it. You, you know, well, you need somebody to believe right. you. I don't but know. Is I this be the well. same chick that said that she was with, with him? him? The Okay. Yes, yes. And and also, if you watch, in there's an interview of him. I guess you could say they followed him. It was almost like a gotcha, like we found you. Have you seen this where he's going to the court? He's so shifty. He's so shifty. He won't even look in the the shifty. eyes. Right. He's very shifty. Um, as some dope heads are, I'm sure. So um that's just oh, and I just watched that. It's very it's very frustrating. But um, so at the also at the house where Jessica, the mailbox where she was tied to, they had video surveillance of this house. They had video cameras. That actually had a view of the mailbox, but when mm-hmm. asked about this, they um, the homeowner he changed his story he, like several times. He first said that that he didn't even he didn't he didn't know the password to his own theater. to his own video surveillance system. He didn't know the password. Okay, oh okay, okay. Yeah. Why do you have it? Okay, great. And you can't reset it either. Right, I'm guessing. right, right. There's no way to get into it, right? Because he didn't know the password. Then he said that he didn't know if they were even on or working. Mm-hmm. We'll go check it. Like, really? And then 
He said that um, they might have recorded over it. So, okay, what? So, is it all of them? <laughs> recorded over it. You don't know. And you don't even know if it was working. But even if you did, you didn't even know the password to even get into it. So, I don't even know why so you have these matter? cameras. <laughs> right. So, why do you even have these cameras? Right. Okay. The very, and then also, wouldn't you uh, just think about this? But some people might think it might incriminate them or bring up more uh, dope related evidence, maybe. But also, um, that would clear your name. That would be like, look, this is like, quit asking me. She hung herself. Here's the video. Possibly, you know. So, um, well, yeah. And, you know, I, I want to say, too, that initially Garland and the homeowner, you know, were like, yeah, she committed suicide. Da, da, da. Well, then they went back later and said, there's no way she committed suicide. Like somebody did this to her. Well, okay. Well, which is it? They you know, did, right? Like, they did say that. Oh, it's it, oh, it's just so. Like I said, it's frustrating because you have all these things, and anybody else, a college student or anyone else with a different lifestyle who didn't have drugs in their system and didn't hang around with dope heads. They they would have gotten way more coverage on this, and not coverage in the the telling the story. They would have gotten um, they would have gotten these an- these questions answered for sure. Well, it's just crazy to me that so they arrive at the scene and they immediately open shut, rule it a suicide, and they're done. And then you've got Doctor Godwin that comes in and and he says clearly, yes. clearly this was not a suicide, right? Right. But they didn't bring any forensic analysts in from, no, you okay. know, local law enforcement. It was just, no, it was, it's, it's just a travesty. Very much so because they had some witnesses that say that she was suicidal, making suicidal threats. Then she's tied to a mailbox. Then she um, has drugs in her system and the lifestyle. That's basically, that's what they... But isn't all that flimsy at best? For it's sure. It's all so flimsy, but For nobody sure. cared. Well, and then they had the asphyxiation, so wasn't that convenient? Well, that yeah. In a moment of some kind of clarity, these dope heads said, oh, well, we're able to to pass this off. Her strangulation passed this off as, as a, a hanging because we're going to be lazy and tie her to a mailbox instead of like, Maybe tying her to a tree. So brilliant that's idea. Right, like, whoever right. came up with this right. idea. Yes. Like, You're right. right. Freaking brilliant. Absolutely. But, uh, it's just so. It's, uh, I can't think of another word besides frustrating. It's just so fr- frustrating. Frustrating and sad. And her mother, if you listen to her interviews, every, you know, she's very prolific on the internet as well and very vocal, which absolutely is so proud of her. You know, it's just. For getting in there and getting, staying on top of it, um, getting keeping her story out there, but her, her just to hear her talk and and um, just a mother's tuition, intuition. I mean, not tuition, mm-hmm. but intuition that she, right? That she just she just knows, and and as a mother, you know, you know what your kids do, or if you're close to mm-hmm. them, you know what they will or they won't do, or what they probably would do or and wouldn't do, and. That and I like I said, that's not evidence of anything. You can't go into a courtroom and you can't say, I feel this, but but that that is real. Mother's intuition is real and it should at the very least be looked into further and did some more investigation into this. Um but um I feel like that it's gonna take someone to come forward if if mm-hmm. indeed she did not kill herself and someone else did this. Um, it's going to take someone coming forward and, and speaking and, and, and saying what they know. But um, if you have any information on this, that would help. Please call the Horn Lake PD at 662-393-6174. And that yeah. is the very suspicious death of Jessica Johnson. You've been listening to Southern Discomfort with April and Christine. As you can tell, this is one of the most unique podcasts on the internet. 
so we want you to be able to reach out to us. Send emails to Southern Discomfort Podcast at gmail.com, on Facebook at Southern Discomfort Podcast, and on Instagram at Southern Discomfort PC. And for shows, visit Southern Discomfort.podbean.com. And this podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts. Till next time, keep one eye open because you never know what you might see. This is Southern Discomfort, signing off.